Hello, and welcome to the Podcast of Power, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And today we are going to be talking about Season 4, Episode 3, uh, Flutterina. Yes, it's uh, we're starting to get into the swing of things here, and this episode is not, I wouldn't say it's like super eventful, um, but we do get quite a few like uh, little little important bits here and there. Yeah, this is a textbook example of like an early season, just kind of set up episode. Certainly it's not quite as bad as, say, uh, Signal from episode two or season two, where literally pretty much nothing happened. Because um, stuff happens in this episode. Stuff is definitely set up to be um, knocked down later down the line. Yes, that's true. And Signal Signal was a little bit... Signal was very one-off, but this this definitely has got quite a lot of, of establishment um, moving forward. Starting off with some some interesting uh, interesting stuff going on in Catra's uh, inner world, it seems. Yeah, so the sort of cold open to the episode uh, before the title screen is Catra in bed. She's having a nightmare, a guilt-induced nightmare about what she did to Entrapta and about the portal. And all of this stuff. It seems that um, these actions are weighing rather heavily on her mind, more than she is willing to let on. Yeah, she might, maybe, just a little bit, might have done something really bad. Yeah, she might have done something really bad, and she knows it, and uh, doesn't want to admit it. Yeah, I'm sure she's fine, though. She's she's in peak mental health right now yeah she uh, gets woken up by emily who is clearly worried about her um but instead uh catcher like freaks out scratches emily and, and screams at her to like get out yes uh establishing kind of the mood for the rest of the episode uh with catcher's interactions with other people and then we get uh we also get a scene fairly shortly after this where uh Katra is coming up to Hordak in his in his inner sanctum. He's he's kind of brooding to himself. He's looking at a little coin thing and he's kind of thinking to himself, is this is this Entrapta's doing? Is she working against us now? And uh, one of the little bastard imps uh, shows up to kind of make fun of him. You'd think that he would be exempt from his little uh, baby imps making fun of him, but I guess not. No, no, they're just they're just little bastards by nature, it seems. But Katra shows up to kind of rub it in a little bit. She's uh, she's very catty. She's very uh, disrespectful and just kind of just kind of teasing him a bit, frankly. And he's he's not a huge fan of this. But turns out that was not actually Catra at all. That was just Double Trouble trying to get into character. As Catra kind of comes out of the shadows and says, Hey, uh, I met this person out in the Crimson Waste. I bet they can be very useful. Yes. She, um, she, she demonstrates Double Trouble's abilities. And Hordak is pleased but also gets his like uh, don't ever do that to me again sort of thing going on and uh double trouble is like noticeably very anxious about the whole thing i don't think they're used to like 
the the kind of evil dictator persona that Hordak kind of puts off. Yeah, he's kind of a tough crowd, isn't he? Yeah, he's not really given that much to work with in terms of constructive criticism. Yeah, he's he's it's really hard to read him. Uh, but they they kind of get back to it. Hordak and and, and Katra are are just kind of talking about how they uh, the recent rebel liberation of a town called Elberon. You know, Hordak's like, we need to retake it. We got a war to win, Katra. But Katra says, oh, no, 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 no. You're going all about this all wrong. It's not about the town. It's about what the town can do for you. Which, to me, seems like a very basic tenet of warfare that uh, Hordak seems to have never really learned. Yeah, well, okay, so... The thing about Katra and Hordak here is they're kind of... They've got two really, like, disparate concepts of how to wage war. Um, like, you have Hordak, who is very much like a slow, methodical, like, take territory kind of guy. Um, but Catra's kind of like, uh, if I just go and take out these key individuals, the whole enemy will fall apart kind of situation. And neither of those on their own are actually very good like strategies you kind of have to do like a mixture of both of these things but um because of the way the horde operates that's not going to happen yeah they aren't really um one for cooperation are they no seems to be kind of the downfall of these uh these sort of evil organizations uh in that yeah people at the top clashing and rubbing against each other in ways that make the entire evil empire kind of break down yeah uh if only. But, um, yeah, we're gonna hop over to Elberon with Adora and Bo here. And Swiftwind. Do not forget Swiftwind. He's very important in this. Of course. He he kicked things. He did kick things. So, they are FaceTiming Glimmer about their their cool liberation of Elberon. I keep almost saying Alderon. Different <laughs> thing. It's basically Alderon. Ah, uh, we I, hopefully not. That that planet didn't fare very well at all. I'm sure it'll be fine. So, Glimmer seems in fine spirits. She's definitely missing being out there with everyone, but she's all right. Um, one detail I just noticed on on this rewatch. So we talked about Catra's um, wardrobe change a couple of episodes ago. The sort of single sleeve glove she's got going on which is also her, like, corrupted arm from the Portal episode. Well, Glimmer's new outfit also has a single-sleeve glove, and it's on the opposite arm of Catra's. Yes, it's really good. It's really good. I like visuals. I like images. Pretty nice. I like uh, cinematic parallels. Yes, it's, it's very good. But uh, maybe we'll learn more about that later. For now, it's it seems that uh, the people of Elberon have invited the squad to a party, um, and this is this is kind of the thing that bums Glimmer out. And you know, Adora and Bo are like, oh, "Listen, it's it's fine. It's probably not going to be like a cool party. At all if you want us to come back, we'll come back." And Glimmer's like, "No, no, 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 no. You go to the party. You earned it." Yeah, there's like. There's starting to be some friction here. Like, like Glimmer is very much, like, feeling left out. She's, like, even the, the scene when, when she's talking on, on, the, on the iPad, um, it kind of pulls back a little bit, zooms out, shows the rest of the room, and it is empty. 
there's nobody else in the war room. She's just in there by herself having this FaceTime conversation, and, you know, she feels a little isolated right now, and she doesn't want to, like, she doesn't want to be the person who tells her friends that they can't have fun without her or anything, so she's like, no, go have fun, but, like, you can tell that she really would rather them just, like, come back. That's, you know, it's the classic situation. And that feeling of isolation is not helped at all when they go into the, the, the main tent here, and it's a huge party. The entire town is here. There's decorations. There's food everywhere. Everyone is cheering for them. They they quick very quickly shut off the iPad because this would definitely not improve Glimmer's mood at all if she saw more of this. No, not at all. And and to their credit, you know, Bo and Adora are like they they're like okay, we'll we'll stay for a minute just to be polite. And then we'll head out and, and go hang out with Glimmer for the rest of the day. And, you know, we'll, we'll cheer her up a bit. And it's like, you know, great, great idea. But unfortunately, this is a really, really kickin' party. Um, there's, there's gigantic confetti battleship cannons um, with wonderful uh, 3D animated, like, asset confetti just sort of in front of the screen. It's very funny. Um, you've got Shira shaped cake. You've got little children who think Bo is the coolest person in the entire universe. You've got a uh, very large, very enthusiastic uh, buff lady that uh, that Adora quite enjoys. Um, yeah, Adora kind of gets scooped up in a bear hug, and the shot is really good. Like this, this woman's like bicep is taking up like three quarters of the screen. And Adora's face just kind of mashed into it a little bit, and she's just kind of staring at it and blushing. It's pretty good. It's Listen, Adora's got a type. She's got a type, and it keeps being reinforced. It does, and you know what? God bless. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the best party ever. And there's also the super enthusiastic little girl named flutterina also did we mention that all of these people are like cool moth people we did not they are in fact cool moth people and i i do love their designs like i think i think the elberon like citizen designs are some of my favorite like village people like designs that they put in the show like they're just they're very cute they're very cute i think only one like random village population design tops that and we won't be there until season five yes that's true it takes a hot second to get there but it is pretty worth it also i think the deer people from season one are really cute also i think a lot of the all of the uh the random etherians they look pretty great yeah this this show's got art it's got designs uh but yeah there's 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 this big party going on and we meet this uh this character named flutterina and she's like ambiguously 12 i would say yeah, she's like around 12, you know, she's very excitable, she's very into the whole She-Ra thing. She's like a She-Ra fangirl, right? Yeah, no, she's she is super big, she's a super big fan of, of She-Ra, and she basically spends like an unbroken like two minutes talking Adora up and like, you know, Adora's like, at first she's like trying to be kind of modest, and she's like, oh, you know, I mean, I... I played a big part, but, you know, it's I I'm, I'm didn't single-handedly do anything. But, you know, Flutterina is basically just really inflating her ego as fast as possible. 
and you know Dora ends up very big-headed and she's showing off to everybody in the town she's like yeah you know we're we're pretty cool yeah this is a mode we haven't really seen Adora in before the like inflated ego really self-important kind of self-impressed hero mode here because you know when you think about usually what she's like she's usually pretty humble or if she's showing off a lot, like in the Perfuma episode from season one, it's usually to hide some kind of anxiety or nervousness about what she has to do. Yeah, but not so much here. And um, the the reason why it, she actually kind of just says it at one point to Bo is she's saying like, hey, you know, this is like the first time that people are talking about me and what I did. Like, usually it's they're talking about you know, the she of old and, like, all of the legends and all of the things I have to look up to and, like, aspire to and, like, meet the expectations of, but, like, they're talking about stuff that, that, that I did, like, actually, and how those are in and of themselves great deeds, and, you know, that's really, really pumping her up. She's, like, she's feeling good about it. Yeah, even in the perfume episode I just mentioned, they were, they were still referring to the old deeds of she here. She did all this stuff this morning um like this was this is just like stuff that she does on the regular and now she's finally getting a lot of recognition for it and it turns out when you are kind of freed from constantly um comparing yourself to some kind of great historic figure who who looms over you like the sword of damocles uh you can kind of enjoy yourself a little bit yeah um unfortunately this ends up maybe slightly backfiring just a little bit because uh not that long after they start actually partying surprise the horde is back yeah before we move to uh shira's huge ego biting her in the ass let's this party is great like there have been a few party scenes over the course of the show this is the best one first of all the food looks normal my one of the things about this show is that ethereum food looks really weird it looks so weird like bright moon food looks weird the the, that bowl of like sparkle sludge from the uh the angela and glimmer dinner scene from season one it just I look at I looked at that bowl of sparkle sludge and I was immediately reminded of like Spy Kids when they're when like the parents are having that like very tense dinner scene with Floop yeah and like all the food just looked like that it really is like a very sort of Spy Kids esque thing it's all just very whimsical food but this stuff that they made in Elberon like I can identify what these things are made of there's some apples there there's like some some melon slices some kind of dip like oh this is like normal comprehensible food yeah this is just stuff that you can eat normally yeah like you binging with babish could recreate all of this spread (laughs) um but also there's just a whole lot of fun activities Bo is doing magic tricks uh he really blows this one like moth twinks mind i love that guy's design he's great i i love that guy like, like first she's like kind of, kind of aloof and acting unimpressed, and then, and then Bo does like the quarter behind the ear trick, and, he, and he's just blown away. Uh, Swiftwind gets his mane braided and, and and with flowers and his tail as well. 
he finally gets to sit in a chair, technically. Technically. Kind of a half sit, but he's quite happy about it. Well, both of his halves sit in the chair at different points. Therefore, he sat in the chair because all of him at one point was in the chair. This is true. We call this chair relativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a, it is a kickin' party. They, they're having a fun, fun time. But then, uh, yeah, they, they, they say they've sighted a horde bot. It's a big one. The biggest one ever. Yeah, it's huge. It's a, it's a, it's an absolute unit. And Shira and Swiftwind are like, come on, we can do one horde bot? Alright, sure. And, you know, they just, <laughs> Adora tells Bo one of the many good line reads in this episode, just enjoy the party. Come on. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, uh, there's really good line reads in here, especially from, especially from Adora. Like, there are some, some quality line reads. So they fly off. They find the bot in the woods very quickly, you know, dispatch it. Turns out these bots are like Hydra bots. They regenerate if you cut them in half. Yes, not the not the Schlick Hydra bot though. Uh, that's a different one. Um, these these multiply. If the Horde ever developed the the Schick Hydra bot technology, we'd all be doomed. We would all be doomed. There's no way they could compete with that. Um, but so they they do with their with the power of the Sacred Bond. They they manage to dispatch these these sort of multiplying robots and they get back and nobody seems to be home. Uh, everyone's gone. It's all smashed up. It's completely deserted. The only person who is remaining is Flutterina, who tells Adora that everyone got taken. Bo tried to fight them off, but he got taken too. Yeah. So it turns out, like right before, right before Adora left, um, the lady who is like presumably the village leader is like, "Hey, we should evacuate the village. We should put everyone into like hiding while the horde is around." And Adora's just like, "Ah, no, it's fine. I'm really good at my job. We'll just take care of this bot. No big deal." And it turns out, probably should have let her evacuate the village. Probably should have done that. Um, yeah, the the sort of ego inflation really comes back to bite her, as we said. But she is determined to set things right. So uh, she and Flitterina fly off in search of where the prisoners have been kept. And we see all of them in a big hole. Yes, they've been put into the pits uh, underneath of a big hexagon with smaller hexagons in it. Horde really likes those hexagons. They love it. It's it's the it's the world's best shape. It is, and everyone in 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 the pit is starting to get a little bit sad, a little bit forlorn. They're like, oh, we should have never listened to Shira. You know what what good is Bo without his bow or his tech? And then Bo is like, listen, listen, a door is gonna be here to help us any minute, but while we're waiting. You know, we, you know, I don't need my tech or my bow to like, to, to save the day. We can get out of here just on our own. We are strong enough to do that. And he kind of pumps everybody up and then he goes up to like one of the kids that he was doing magic tricks for. It turns out he, he sort of, one of the quarters behind the ear was in fact one of those little uh, disruptor coins uh, that he built. And he, uh, and he shoots it with like a, a children's arrow and and disables the big laser field. Yeah. Meanwhile, we see Catra 
um, overseeing this operation alongside Scorpia. They, uh, she, she's running some data on a notepad while Scorpia is just trying so hard. She's trying so, so hard. It's she's getting it's nowhere hard to watch. It's like yeah, she's just getting stonewalled completely. Catra is all business. She has no time for Scorpia's nonsense. Yeah, she does not have any time for being friendly or even even like cordial, like civil with her. It's basically just stop talking to me. I don't want to talk to you for any reason. Go away. Like, Scorpia isn't even just, like, being treated like a soldier or, like, a fellow commanding officer, even. She's being treated like nothing, like a like a pest. She's not being given any information on what's going on. She's not being given any tasks. She's basically just standing around doing nothing. Yeah, and oh, poor Scorpia. She's having a real rough one this episode, frankly. So Adora, of course, busts in. They they kind of get a map to to show where the where the the prisoners are. She busts through a wall, Kool Aid Man style, uh, and they and they rush in. Uh, except there's no pit. Uh, instead, they just find Catra. Yeah, there's no there's no pit. Um, on you know they they took down one of the cards and his uh, his iPad said the pit would be here and it's not there. In fact, it's just a big hexagon and one of these uh, one of these bots. And uh, turns out that her and Swiftwind may have forgot the bit where they multiply. They were in a rush. The, the blood was, you know, the, their blood was up. They wanted to, they, 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 sometimes you simply forget. They only learned it like 30 minutes ago. That's true. So yeah, they, they, they may have made a small tactical error, um, which Katra is just very quick to make fun of her for. Yeah. So here is a bit we've referenced a few times in the past. So this, dear listeners, I don't know. It's probably not. It's not supposed to say this. This is literally the only time Adora and Catra speak in this season. This is it. Yes. This this is the interaction that they have, and it is basically Catra starts being catty. She starts trying to do like the classic like rapport that they have going on. That like rivalry or whatever. She's trying to like do the hey Adora and whatever. Adora's having none of it. She's like, cut the games. I don't care. Where is everybody? And and Catra's just not. Catra's getting stonewalled herself here. She brings up the portal, um, which is you don't want to say these two words around Catra. She doesn't. She does not like them. And Adora basically says, "I don't care about whatever you have to say. I'm not going to let you hurt my friends or anyone else. You, you you did. You made your choice. You did the portal, like." I'm not here for this. And and uh, so Catra just springs the trap and like electrocutes Adora and Swiftwind. They're, they're standing on a taser hexagon, basically. And they would be screwed if not for Bo and the rest of the villagers coming in to save the day. 
with those party cannons. Rule of threes. Yes, with those party cannons, and not to be discounted, our good friend Flutterina is the one who who led uh, Bo and Bo and the gang over to where Adora is. So that was really nice of her. She's so trustworthy and reliable, that Flutterina. So reliable and trustworthy, and Bo pulls off this this like this. Okay, this is insane. I don't understand how this happened. Bo's, like, genius level, like, trigonometry trick shots. He's got, like, you, you like, look at his brain. He's got the, like, equations flying everywhere. He's he's thinking, like, all the angles, all the geometry. And he, he pulls off this trick shot where he shoots this, like, teeny tiny stick of an arrow. And it, like, it flies off. And it, like, bounces off of the railing where Catra is, and it flies towards the confetti cannon and hits the button perfectly and fires the cannon, and the confetti confuses the bots long enough for Adora to touch Swiftwind and do some kind of magical energy blast that stops the taser from firing it's kind of a complicated set of of things this is not something hawkeye could do this is some like i don't know what happened here (laughs) it works this is some like this is some like 19 like 40s captain america's shield level nonsense this is like I threw the shield and it flew 97 feet, took three guys out and then hit a lever and then came back territory. Yeah. So this, uh, so the, the sacred bond thing, this is interesting. So the, the, the everyone is, is super powered up this season, including Adora and Swiftwind. Basically if they are in the field together, they become unstoppable. Yes. They have like super energy powers. It's like, the bit where where Adora kind of powers up the other princesses and they get that kind of glowy magical resonance thing, like the two of them also do this, but it's like the next level. Like Adora can basically just do whatever. She just breaks whatever she's touching at that point, more or less. Yeah, and so she destroys all the bots and sends a huge blast of energy up towards Catra, who it barely misses. Um, the railing she was standing on just gets completely obliterated. She gets knocked on her butt, and there is a re- very real sort of moment of terror. Oh, no, yeah, she very easily could have just gotten totally killed. And I, you know, like, the Catra has this moment where she's like, huh, maybe I should take this a little more seriously. Yeah, Dora is playing for keeps. This is, this is no longer playtime. Yeah, like... Like, this energy blast is the same energy blast she used to basically wipe out the entire upper half of a canyon. So, like, Catra wouldn't have fared to it, I don't think. No. Um, so, also that ends well, the people of Elbron are safe, and Flutterina wants to join the Rebellion. Yes, and, of course, with all of the bravery and dedication and help that she has managed to pull off in this episode, of course Adora says yes. Because, of course, having a 12-year-old soldier is fine. It's fine. fine. I mean, maybe they, they can just have her, like, make the coffee. It's fine. 
They don't actually have to put her on the battlefield. But, um... Turns out... But <laughs> yeah, so... We cut back to the Fright Zone. Catra kind of snaps at Scorpia again. Really freaks out on her. Yeah. And says they're not friends. And, and says, if you if I ever see Emily again, I am going to tear her to pieces. I am going to make scrap metal out of her. So keep her out of my sight. Yeah, this scene with Scorpia, like, before we get to the Flood Arena thing, it's really important not to gloss over this scene because... Oh my god, it is brutal, the shutdown that happens here. Like, Scorpia is is pulling out all the stuff. She is trying as hard as she can to get back to being capable of not just, ta- not even just helping Katra or, or, or getting past her barriers, just even being able to talk to her at all. And Katra is just completely uninterested like she like you can tell Katra is like she's feeling guilt and she's feeling hurt and she doesn't she 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 wants Scorpia to go away because Scorpia is making her feel really bad right now and but then Scorpia mentions Entrapta and this is this is kind of the this is kind of the trigger in which it sets her off and she just she she goes off on Scorpia and says that she doesn't care about her. She doesn't want her around. She doesn't want to talk to her. She doesn't want to look at her. She doesn't want her in her sight. And it is just, it's it's a it is a brutal teardown. It's very hard to watch, honestly. Catra is it's truly awful. awful to Scorpia this entire season. No, oh, yeah, like th- like this this is like this is like just just toxic at this point like like all of the and it, and it and it hurts so much more knowing that like they were so close to having like a semblance of like a healthy relationship and then it all just came tumbling down so so hard and so quickly to get to this point and scorpia is just being constantly beaten down and berated and treated like garbage and it is just like it's 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 hard to watch it is hard to watch and and this is definitely like 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 katra in season four is genuinely a miserable person just a total piece of yeah like we'll we'll get we'll get more into it as, as the as the season progresses with her and Scorpia, but there's there's a lot going on there. But this is where we get the reveal. Catcher uh, reports to Hordak and says, "Oh yeah, we, we the mission was a success. All right, we got we got the spy inside. Guess what? Flood Arena has been double trouble the whole time." Yes, and they're, they're hey, listen, they're a good actor. Like I mean. When I watched this episode for the first time, like I, I felt like something was up with Flood Arena, but I didn't know what it was. But like, it, like Double Trouble is pretty good at like the whole playing along with with the situation thing. Like, like they are a very convincing Shira fangirl. Yeah. So Flood Arena is a character from the original. In the original, she was just some you know random other princess. She had big fairy wings. 
So it isn't unusual that another character like her would be brought in at this point in the show. She's also, we forgot to mention in the intro, on every title card, she's there. Yes, she is. And so you kind of think, oh, this Flutterina character, she'll be, you know, uh, a part of the, the show. And you'd be right, except I don't even know if Flutterina ever really existed. Like, it's really ambiguous whether or not Flutterina was a real person that Double Trouble is impersonating, or if Flutterina is a complete concoction. Well, the thing is, we never... Yeah, we never see the original Flutterina. And also, when Flutterina first appears, the big moth lady is looking at her kind of confusedly. Like, you would think an adorable little girl like this would be well-known in the village, but, like, no one really seems to know her. No one seems to know her, and also no one seems to really interact with her. Like, the only people that really interact with Flutterina are the actual, like, best friend squad and stuff. Like, nobody else is really, like, interacting with her in any way. So it's like, is Flutterina, like, a person who existed? I, I'm i not convinced. I, I think that she is probably a fully original character, do not steal. Yeah, like, listen, Double Trouble can imitate anyone, but they also want you know, the ultimate creative freedom of being able to create their own characters. Yes, and and truly isn't that what the craft is all about? It truly is. So that is where we end with a little bit of the old dramatic irony. Yes, and, you know, altogether, pretty good episode. A lot of good setup, a lot of, like, uh, good character moments, and I think generally one of the, one of the stronger, like, early season episodes uh, the show has to offer, I think. That is very true. So we've got a a fair amount of questions on Curious Cat and on Twitter. We also got some emails, but I don't think we'll be reading all of these in every episode because some of them get long. But rest assured, we read all of them and they will be uh, aggregated at the end of the season. I will be much better at uh catching all of them yes we're, we're gonna make sure we 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 get everybody everybody uh seen don't you worry but our first question here is from an anonymous curious catcher user how many brain cells do you think each shira character has so let's make a list let's make a tier list here okay you know what let's let's go let's go to tiermaker.com you know what we'll 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 post we'll post our we'll post our tier maker we're making it live on air folks we're making it live on air here we go here we go let me, right. let me open that up that's right okay yeah there we go uh click that button all right how many brain cells do they have so we're gonna go we're gonna go top top of the list smartest characters who are the super geniuses who are the super geniuses okay um shadow weaver yeah shadow weaver shadow weaver's pretty smart uh definitely entrapta she's up there oh yeah no common sense very smart i would say Bo too oh Bo. honestly Bo is the smartest i think yeah i think Bo is the smartest Bo is definitely the smartest he has the he has the per he, he not only is he very smart he is also very emotionally intelligent yes he's he's definitely he's definitely got got the uh got the smarts here Moving down to A tier. I don't think there's any more S tier smarties here. Catra. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Catra's A tier. She's pretty smart. She's pretty smart. Um let's say so You know, I you know, actually no. Lance and George are in S tier. They're archaeologists. Lance and George Lance smart. and George are pretty smart, you're right. They're they're definitely 
they're definitely very, very smart individuals. Angela in A. Angela in A tier, yeah, she's pretty smart. I feel like her probably probably Light Hope A tier, right? Yeah, Light Hope, Castaspella. Let's see who else is on here. Mermista, is she in A tier? She's pretty smart. Yeah, I would I would say Mermista's pretty smart. I'm not sure A tier though. I feel like she's like yeah, she's, she's like, like normal she's person normal, smart. Yeah, she's B, just a regular old person. Uh, also in B, I think uh spinnerella and natasa yeah for all, sure all the normal folks just, yeah you know. probably glimmer and b as well Well, glimmer and b or glimmer mm, and a b i think glimmer is smart but she's very reckless and that kind of balances it out that's true that's true and i also i'm thinking cast a spell up probably also b she's she's yeah. got kind of she's got she's got a dumb streak to her i think double um, trouble you know we, we've only seen them for a little bit uh but also i think a brilliant theater actor that's true that's true don't discount don't discount that um mr 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 the prime mr the prime and 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 little brother hordak well we haven't seen a lot of horde prime but he did conquer the whole universe supposedly so i guess he's pretty smart yeah probably a tier i imagine um hordak (laughs) we've all right, so here's the thing about Hordak. He's really good at building stuff. He's good at building stuff. He's really bad at everything else. I think that means he goes in B. Yeah, B, B probably makes sense. Kyle, Ronnie, and Lonnie, and Rahelio. Hmm, okay. Kyle is C. Yeah, Kyle He's and C. Not bright. Rahelio and Lonnie. Right, right. Rahelio and Lonnie, B. Um, Micah. We haven't really seen very much of Micah. He seems like a reasonable enough ruler in the Portal universe. So I guess he can go up to B, or A, excuse me, with with his wife, Angela. Yeah, that sounds about right. Antara, she's got the street smarts. Yeah, but... But I don't... (laughs) C, I just, C. C sounds yeah, about right. There. Imp. You know what? The imp, the imp's got schemes. Imp is B tier. Imp is B tier. Imp. imp is a baby. B for baby. Imp, imp, imp is baby tier. Perfuma also B, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. Perfuma's B. Um, let's, uh, Frosta. Frosta. C, yeah. C. She's a child. Yeah, she's 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 a kid. Now here's where we get into the real the real dummies here. Swiftwind. I think Swiftwind is C. Yeah, Swiftwind is C. Egotistical, but he is sensible enough. Yes, that's that's true. Seahawk. D tier. Dumb as a bag of hammers. Scorpia. D tier. Adora. D tier. Uh, tongue Lashore. D tier. <laughs> These are just the uh, the the classic. These two, the two goons, D tier. The two goons, also D tier. These are these are the characters who they really have to work hard to rub a brain cell together. Some more than others. Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Also, Madame Raz is on this list, so I feel like she probably goes in C. Yeah, she's weird because of her time displacement, but she seems fine enough. She's wise in mysterious ways. She's wizened. 
Um, I think that's that covers us. There's like a few other characters on here, but they don't get introduced till much later. Yes. So yeah, we will we will save this and post it alongside our episode. But that is the definitive uh, definitive rankings here. Definitive rankings here at uh, at uh, Pod of Power Central. We've got S tier. Uh, Bo. Bo is the smartest character on the show, and that's simply the Yeah, Bo is the smartest character on the show, bar none. Um, and the dumbest character in the show. Honestly, I'm going to move Tongue Lasher below the four-armed lizard lady. He's just stupid. Nope, you know what? No, it's, it's got to be Seahawk. It's got to be Seahawk. Seahawk is the dumbest person on the whole show. It's staggering, honestly. Se- Seahawk, I'm not even sure, has one entire brain cell. Yeah, it's just, it's it's floating around in the ocean somewhere. He's got to find <laughs> it. Um, got to go find it. So yeah, that that covers us on the the brain cell um, uh, the brain cell tier list. Yes. Our next question from an anonymous curious cat user: The crew are actually quite smart with how they did this, in my opinion. In hindsight, Flutterina is an obvious spy, but many didn't realize this until the trademark blink. The show was really smart in the way that it basically trained us in thinking pretty pink bright pastels equals good, which they make fun of later. It pulls at our trust and makes us question the characters consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, I would say that plays a role, right? Like the 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 character design of it and then also the like the way that the color theory of the show kind of works. Like yeah, I would say that's a big part. I think another big part is also just the fact that like one of the interesting things about Fluttering as a character in this episode, and I think I mentioned this earlier, is that I knew that something was kind of going on when I watched the episode for the first time, but I didn't immediately pick up on the concept that Flutterina was like a spy. And I think this is due in large part to the fact that like they're trying to set it up in such a way as that there is um, there's precedent being established for Flutterina to not necessarily be 100% trustworthy, but it's subtle enough that it's supposed to not really be picked up on until you pick up on it at the very end during that reveal. And then you think back to all of those moments that didn't quite add up. And then it all just sort of clicks into place. It's, 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 it's really smart. It's a, it's a classic sort of, sort of way to, to sort of introduce this kind of a character. This is what I was talking about when I said I really like characters like Double Trouble who just you know cause chaos and drama wherever they go because you get situations like this where now you can't trust anybody because double trouble is around and i love that exactly you know now you have the situation where theoretically anyone could be double trouble you don't know and i'm sure that won't come up at all nope um got another one here anonymous curious catcher user what are your he- uh, sexuality headcanons for each Shira character? Like canon, or what just works best for them? Uh, I mean, none of them are straight. I know this much. Well, yeah, nobody, nobody in this show is straight except maybe, maybe Hordak. I feel, I feel like, I feel like Hordak is being like the singular straight character is very funny conceptually. Like yeah. him and Horde Prime both being like like really straight would be really funny it's fitting honestly yeah i mean there are canon answers to some of these yeah right like uh there's canon answers to some of these um also i believe uh canonically it's one of those situations where like 
on Etheria, there's not like necessarily like quite as rigid of like a sexuality structure as that we have. Like everyone is generally you could consider most characters to be bi. Yeah, and that's generally my main headcanon mode. That's just what I go to usually um, for this show. Yeah, though there are exceptions, and I think, you know, definitely, like, you know, Bo's dad's obviously both gay men. You have um, Catra and Adora, definitely uh, lesbians. Whenever uh, crew members talk about them, especially Noel Stevenson, uh, they are usually referred to as lesbians. This is important. This is, that is important. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty critical thing. So, so yeah, but, you know, like, like Bo and Glim are both, like, definitely bi, right? I mean, yeah, look at them. Yeah, I mean, look at him. Uh, I don't know, maybe Swiftwind is straight. Swiftwind, Swiftwind being straight would be really, really funny, actually. <laughs> I have no evidence <laughs> for this. I just think it's very funny. It would be really, really funny. Ah, uh, God. Yeah, but, but yeah, like, I would I would say, I guess anybody else that I necessarily have, like, a headcanon for, I guess, like, I feel like maybe... I feel like Mermista definitely, definitely she's bi. I think it would it would be kind of funny if Seahawk was straight, but he's also definitely bi. Oh, absolutely not. He is not straight. Look at that. No, man. he's he's definitely not, but it would be really funny. <laughs> so another one from an anonymous Curious Cat user. Hi. First of all, love the podcast. It is my daily entertainment for when I'm going to work. So thank you for doing this. You all uh, make my day. Now the question is, and I hope it is not a question you guys have already heard because I'm I'm not ca- all caught up, but can you rank all of the Catra outfits from best to least best? Not worst, least best, because Catra doesn't have a bad look. That is true. Um, from uh, you know, prom episode, season four, yada yada, snow. Thank you and have a lovely Christmas and New Year. Well, thank you so much. Now... We're going to breach minor spoiler territory. If you have not finished the show, skip ahead like, I don't know. Hi, Future Jane here. Uh, You're going to be going uh, forward by three minutes. It's going to be 49 minutes and 36 seconds is the the end of this, like, tiny spoiler section. Skip ahead that much. And, but we're going to rank them all right now. What's the? Are we gonna go top down or bottom up? Uh, we're gonna go top down. So top tier, top tier, absolutely, like flash forward wedding outfit, catcher with yeah. like the 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 cool half the cape. cool half cape, like the the coat cape going on. Like obviously coat that's cape, the top one. The button up, the slacks. It's strong ponytail. Yeah, like that's critical. That's absolutely best outfit in the show hands down no questions second place prom night yeah for sure second place prom night we talked about it the undone bow tie the fingerless gloves no shoes it's a powerful look powerful look really good color on the suit also fantastic um number three i'm gonna say season four yeah season season four really strong look love the single glove like the art the arm sleeve kind of thing love the like thigh highs it's a good look it's a powerful look after that mm, hmm i'm torn i like the season five outfit too actually so i maybe season five is yeah next. because well yeah that one's 
yeah, I think we can kind of like link those two because they are very similar. It's just that in season five, she cuts her hair, she loses the sleeve, and of course she loses the horde emblem. Yes. Okay, actually, actually, here's the thing. The season four and season five outfit, right? That's number three. Number four, absolutely no question, kitty cat ears space suit. Oh, I forgot about the kitty cat space suit. The kitty cat space suit is so strong. Oh, it's really good. I love a good cat ear built-in headgear. I love it a lot. Yes, it's fantastic. Next, I think next is Chipped Catra. Yeah, the chip the chipped look, like the all the all white look is so stark, it's so sleek, it's it's so scary. It's pretty good. It is a it is a very spooky look. The 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 perfectly slicked back hair. Oh yeah. The glowing green eyes. Ooh. Yeah. It's 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 pretty good, you know. Uh, after that, you got like you got the snow outfit. You got like the the season one outfit. I think snow outfit's probably next, right? No, bad girl jackets next. Oh God, I forgot about bad girl jackets. Yeah, absolutely, bad girl jackets. Uh, big time. That's that's definitely really up there. Then snow outfit. Mm-hmm. And then by default, her her regular season one outfit. It's the least best because it's her normal look. Yeah. And you know what? And it's and it's still awesome. So it's like, you know, it's it's all of her outfits are just fantastic. They're all great, but you know, we know what the best one is. Oh yeah. Welcome back. Uh don't worry, you didn't we, once you finish the show you can go back and listen to all that and we'll rank all of the best catcher looks. Yes. You will you will definitely not be disappointed uh with some of those looks, let me tell you. So, last one here is not from an anonymous Curious Cat user. It is from Curious Cat user, oh boy, Mild M-U-8-E. I hope I said that right. Not exactly a question, but in a previous episode, you talked about different ways Swiftwind could potentially sit in a chair. And in this episode, we see him kind of sitting in a chair, which I found very funny. Like we said, chair relativity. Chair relativity. He did, in fact, sit in a chair all the way... If you if you consider you know the quantum state of him sitting in a chair, it's it's scientific fact. It's scientific fact. It's the it's it's Schrodinger's horse in this situation. So we got one question on Twitter. Would you like to take that one, Jane? Uh yes. So from at Frankentrapta, uh, there's a moment when Catra looks down at the crystal powering Hordak's armor as a subtle threat. I know Hordak's a villain, and Catra's a villain, so it makes sense for her to do bad things, but it, as well as the moment in Coronation where she rips out his crystal, is kind of uncomfortable to watch simply because Hordak needs his armor to function. It's kind of the equivalent of taking away a disabled person's mobility aid or medication. Um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's definitely not ideal in that way, is it? Yeah, it is it is it is pretty bad. I don't know if Hordak is generally meant to be a complete disability analog, but it is certainly there are certainly readings for that. No, yeah, it's it's kind of loaded imagery. Like it it is loaded imagery and like the the sort of general theming that they're going for here at least in my own interpretation is like they're they're trying to have this kind of 
operate as like a metaphor for Hordak being like mostly facade and being very easy to supplant, you know, for his his veneer of power to be very easily taken down because it's all very surface level. And and that's you know, on like a on like a narrative level, on like a on a visuals level, uh it works. But it does also have these kind of loaded imageries associated with it where you have this character who is in fact not really able to you know stand on his own without this exoskeleton sort of mobility aid and she is kind of dismantling it in order to kind of exert her power over him it's it's not great imagery yeah like there are lots of villains in the past who have had stuff like this you know chief among them in my mind darth vader but I think once you 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 get into a lot of the stuff around Hordak's character, it does slide more towards that end, and it does make that aspect of their relationship a bit questionable. And of course, this relationship is definitely portrayed as like a toxic, horrible, like they should not be interacting at all kind of thing. But still, yeah, no, it's I, another. It's one of those things. It's kind of just an artifact of like the way that sort of visual metaphor and visual language in film and media is has kind of developed over time where you have these like sort of implicit biases that sneak in in this way where people are using a lot of things as a visual and metaphorical shorthand to communicate things to the audience without dialogue but the problem is um some of these methods that are used are done in such a way as that these sort of implicit biases end up getting shown through. You know, you have this sort of usage of disability as like a nebulous concept as shorthand, which almost never works out in a way that's great. So like it's it's one of the really unfortunate things about sort of our modern language of film. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that definitely it's good to point that out because uh, it would be nice if that language started to change. Yeah, it's... It is a... Not all traditions need to be protected. Not all things need to be kept the way they are. Yeah, definitely, definitely true. Well, that'll do it for our questions. And before we move to our, our probably pretty breezy spoiler zone, we have a Patreon. Yes, we do. If you head on over to patreon.com slash pod of power, you'll find just a smorgasbord of various offerings. Um, we have two tiers. Uh, we have the $1 uh, just supporter tier if you just want to, you know, throw us, a, throw us a buck or two. But if you want to throw us $3, you get to be one of our illustrious force captains. And uh, you get many fun offerings. Including shoutouts in the episode if i can pull it up very quickly that's right so thank you to our force captain level patrons mabel mabel ryan coon jennifer jones jess pumphrey leon lay sean montgomery jack onuro olivia andres lozano Brittany ray michael steinert tara stark tco brennan fitzgerald tobu emma grossman robert harris and 
Danielle Dupont. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you for your continued support. It means the world to us. And for all of those lovely $3 patrons, things that you can get include the Kipo and Owl Casts, our side content podcast where we do uh, watch throughs of the Owl House and uh, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beast, respectfully. Both great shows. Both great shows. We actually got an episode of the Owl Cast coming out uh, this weekend, so stay tuned. Uh, we also got the the Watchtower. That's one of the stretch goals we met. Sort of a video podcast aggregation of uh, fan content. And hey, if you've got Glimadora content this week, for this month, I mean. Month of January, the Watchtower is going to be Glimadora themed. You got fix? You got AMVs? You got fan art? Send it in. Yeah, send it in. We'll, uh, we'll take a look. Might end up in the episode. You know, who's to say? And... Uh, got some other stuff too. We're we're working towards some other goals. We got a uh, possibility of doing a uh, one shot of this uh, Firebrands hack for the honor, which is a kind of Shira themed tabletop campaign. That'd be pretty fun. And our most recently hit scratch goal, She Riffs, where we do a commentary track for old Shira cartoons, and we have a real holiday treat for everyone because our first episode on the uh, He-Man and She-Ra holiday special is free. It is free. It went up on Christmas Day. It's a uh, it's a very fun time actually. It's uh it's one of my that's it's one of my favorite things we've done as like a bonus episode so far. It was really funny. Do you want to hear us do a lot of Skeletor voice? You can listen to it. Skeletor voice, a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of laughs, a lot of bits. It's a, a fun lot of very time. interestingly shaped spaceship. Yes, indeed. Um, but with that, uh, that's going to wrap it up for our pre-spoiler section. So if you're uh, heading out, then have a good one. But if you're sticking around, we'll see you on the other side. one is going to be a little bit of a breezy sort of spoiler zone we really only have like one major topic to touch on but it is kind of a meaty one that's right so obviously we could talk about flutterina i guess but i mean that's going to be the rest of the season so we're going to leave that stuff untouched but what we do have here is kind of an aspect of Catra's character that is going to keep recurring throughout this season. Yes, I'd argue it's one of the main things uh, about Catra in in this season, in fact, and that is her nine trillionth dimensional brain chess that she seems to be doing against literally everyone, including herself. This plan she makes in this episode is it is very complex, and they don't stop being complex she loves the old misdirect she loves to like trick people she loves feeling like she's outsmarting everyone because she we forgot to mention it but she brings up in this episode when when she springs the trap that she learned it from shadow weaver 
she is trying to become the new Shadow Weaver. Yes, she is extremely trying to fill the shoes of the people who have come before her. She wants to fill Shadow Weaver's shoes. She also wants to fill Hornak's shoes. A lot of shoes that she's trying to put on right now. Can't put on that many shoes at once. It doesn't work. Yeah, she's not a spider. Oh, but what if she was, though? Oh, that that would be that would be a little scary. Uh, what about the Drider Princess? That'd be pretty sick. Uh, that is true. That would be kind of cool. But uh, but yeah. So 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 Katra's trying to outmaneuver and outflank basically everybody in the world right now. Like uh, I I touched on it a little bit earlier when I was talking about kind of the tactical differences between Hordak and Katra here. Um, and Katra's entire kind of game plan is really precarious right like her thing is she's very impatient she is so impatient she wants this to be over as fast as possible she wants to do as minimal like actual war as possible because of course she's not actually invested in the horde as an organization she's not really invested in like winning the war even she's mostly just invested in getting like her perceived revenge on Adora and her friends and and on all the people who have ever wronged her. You know, she's not really in this to like put up a horde flag on top of Bright Moon, you know, outside of the like personal satisfaction of like triumphing over Adora. So so to that end, her whole thing is she's trying to blitz as fast as possible right like like hordak is like oh we should take and hold territory and like slowly advance and make sure we have all our ducks in a row catcher's like no 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 no. here's the plan we're going to make like traps within traps within traps we're we're gonna cut off the head of the rebellion we're gonna end we're gonna end it inside of bright moon castle and then we're gonna swoop in and take it all out in one fell swoop and we're gonna we're gonna get rid of selenius and that's gonna collapse the whole rebellion and it'll be great and it works to a degree to a degree but kind of the problem is that this isn't operating on a time scale that can deal with setbacks or problems because she isn't she's doing all this at the expense of the internal cohesion of the horde as an organization you know the the supply lines of the horde are kind of imploding the cohesion as a military organization is dissolving you know the the respect and loyalty to the command structure of the horde is evaporating at a breakneck pace you know everyone is at each other's throats more and more as the season goes on just the organization is not capable of holding itself together at this point but you know for Katra and to a lesser extent Hordak as the season goes on they don't care about that so much they're just laser focused on their end goals and they're not really considering all of the things that are very 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 precariously perched around them poised to fall directly on their big stupid heads it's yeah, not only is the time scale uh, undoable, but this entire thing, the whole thing, her entire position is predicated on a very thin platform, which is Hordak doesn't know that I sent his best friend to die. And that is very important. 
It's very important, and it's also just such a bad lie. It's such yeah. an easily verifiable lie. Like, it's probably a good thing that, you know, no one, Catra doesn't talk much with the Rebellion in this season, because if Entrapta ever came up in, like, conversation and someone else was around to hear it, this whole thing would fall apart way quicker than it actually does. But let's let's talk a little bit about why Catra is doing this, because... It, it becomes incredibly clear, you know, we've, we've talked about these self-destructive vortex that she's be- she becomes over the course of this season. And it, is, it becomes clear that the war is an extension of this, because she is... All of her relationships become a horrible, toxic cesspool. Scorpia, Hordak, the Cadets, Double Trouble, all of them completely collapse in on themselves until she is utterly alone. Like it's it's remarkable to watch but like so so she goes through all of this trouble to get her new spy master embedded in bright moon and it works very well they don't suspect a thing and then something goes wrong and double trouble gets captured but it's fine right because catra and double trouble are friends but they're not well that's the thing <sighs> double trouble is someone who works for the highest bidder, who works for the winning side. They don't have any loyalties. They're just in it for laughs. Yeah, they're they're in it because they want money and they want to hone their craft. They don't care about Katra, like at all, really. They have no compunctions to be loyal or to even be kind to her really outside of like the bare minimum to get what they want yeah they have a they have a very professional relationship and so when glimmer sits them down and says hey listen we'll pay you a lot of money if you go and like spill the beans about entrapta um and so they do which causes hordak to obviously fly into a rage and start trying to blow catra up with his arm cannon yeah and it's like and catra doesn't think for even one second this is going to be a problem because she is not even considering the the aspect of loyalty or like unitary cohesion in any of the things that she's doing because all of that of course, if she started to think about, like, loyalty and friendship and, like, who she can trust, well, then she might start thinking about things. She might start have to think about things that she's done, maybe. And we can't touch that. No, sir, we can't go anywhere near that because that right there is how you get a total ego breakdown. And, you know, this loyalty thing, taking loyalty for granted, is extended to Scorpia because despite how badly she treats her, she still expects her to always be there because she's been loyal in the past. And when Scorpia leaves, I think that is kind of the snapping point for Kadra. That is where everything starts to tumble down. That is where she starts forcing the cadets to do, like, quadruple shifts and, like, nearly kill them. Yeah. She is, she, she like, that's the where she breaks down in that completely destroyed control room. Like, here's my read on Scorpia and Catra, right? Despite how done Catra seems with Scorpia, she doesn't just, like, send her somewhere else. She, some for some reason, still has her around. She just treats her like garbage. And I think it is a thing where 
Catra is offloading all of the guilt she has about Entrapta onto Scorpia. Scorpia is a walking reminder of what she did, and therefore is just a constant like thorn in her side. But Scorpia is also one of the only people who ever showed her kindness, and so she can't bring herself to completely sever it, and so you just have this weird emotional mess at the center of Catra, just this horrible toxic dump where she can't fully let go until Scorpia is the one who has to cut that line. She's the one who has to leave. Yes. It's 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 a whole thing. Like like Scorpia essentially becomes like an emotional punching bag. You know, like Catra has all of these conflicting emotions. She's feeling she Scorpia is like the only person that she can talk to, but at the same time talking to her it reminds her of all of the things she's done wrong. So she just ends up constantly berating and attacking her and eventually scorpia is decides that enough is enough and she leaves and that's like you know it's that's again it's one of those things that just really tears catcher apart because she spends so much time self-victimizing right like catcher spends so much time thinking of herself as the world's biggest victim that that Everything bad has happened to her, and everyone did it to her, and nobody else has ever had the same hardships she's had. Nobody else has had the same pain. Nobody else could possibly understand what she's going through. And all of this self-justification and victimizing just creates this environment where everybody is being destroyed by being near her, so they all leave and she's forced to just confront the reality that she's not as big of a victim as she actually thinks she is that a lot of the things that's that have gone wrong for her have gone wrong because of her own decisions yeah and you know that comment about how scorpio is the only person she can talk to technically that's not true because she tries to forge that same bond repeatedly with double trouble that's true she is trying constantly to make friends with them and they will joke around with her and help her out of tight spots but like they there's no bond there double she's just the like she's just their boss she's just their co-worker like there's there's no warmth to that they 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 share jokes and you know double troubles are very good at what they do but there's nothing else there exactly exactly it is very much like a co-worker's relationship and she's she's clinging on to that as hard as she can because it's like the one relationship right now that she that she feels justifiable in like having any amount of like warmth with because everything else reminds her of so much and she's trying to make friends with someone who is pretty much built out of facades which uh i mean hey welcome to themes welcome to themes welcome to dramatic foils do you like them we got them catra's got so many of them in this season oh yes um but we'll we'll get more into like all this stuff with hordak and double trouble and and scorpia and those confrontations once we get to him because boy howdy those are some conversations to be had but next week 
we have a confrontation with one of her other foils because next week is season four episode four pulse oh yes that is the one where glimmer fires death lasers at her yes this is the one where glimmer tries to take catcher's head off and oh boy does it get homoerotic really fast it shoots up the ladder uh get ready for some glitcher content it's wild oh yeah fellas is it gay to try and kill someone boy howdy and that is also the first big spinnerella and natasa episode oh that's true it is that's right we actually start to kind of get some of the cloud wives uh mixed into the in, into the show here which uh which is great love the cloud wives so that'll that should be a really fun one i remember really liking that episode it's always fun that that fight is really cool oh yeah visually oh i can't wait to get to that like i'm gonna i'm gonna have a field day just talking about like shot composition that's gonna be ooh, it's gonna be great but that's for next week until then i have been one of your hosts nero and i've been the other host jane and we'll see you on the other side of podcast spondos